Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I'm your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to continue our conversation with an incredibly talented individual with a really inspiring story. It is my honor to welcome Michael Dermer back to the show. Michael is an entrepreneur, speaker, lawyer, and the founder and author of The Lonely Entrepreneur, and he is a consultant and coach for startup businesses and entrepreneurs. Michael discovered what would become The Lonely Entrepreneur methodology when his company, Incent One, the first to provide financial rewards for healthy behavior and that he built for over a decade, was nearly destroyed by the financial crisis of 2008. By applying the perspectives of the Lonely Entrepreneur methodology and two years of 20-hour days, Michael was able to revive his company and sell it in 2013. Today, Michael is considered the founder of not only a company, but an industry rewarding individuals for healthy behavior. He graduated from the Northwestern University School of Law and lives in New York City. Michael, welcome back to the show. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) So in our last segment, we talked about your journey from being an M&A lawyer in New York at Wilkie to founding a startup and your wild ride over the years through the last recession and culminating in the selling of your company in 2013. So as you wound up that sale and you entered into the next phase of your career in life, what was running through your mind as you were trying to figure out what was next? You know, as you can imagine, we went from right from saving the company for a couple of years right into selling it. So I just literally wanted to take a deep breath. I had neglected a lot in my life to do all that. And probably most importantly, me, (laughs) because I felt such an obligation to everybody else, um, rightfully so. And and so I, you know, I had a typical consulting gig with the company that bought me. So I right. uh, had a consulting gig to stay on and do that. Um, but I literally was just taking stock. You know, um, I live in New York City. I live at 39th and Lexington, right in Midtown. I live a block from the New York Public Library, which I don't know if you've ever been there. It's one of the most exquisite buildings in Manhattan. And I'd never been in there. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I actually know that area really well. I love that part of town. Yeah. And so I just started doing those things and experience. And frankly, the only thing that was left in my head, well, there are two things. Number one, how do I make sure that the people from the company are taken care of, you know, in the new entity the best I could, you know, because also, you know, the ones that I thought that ultimately might lose their jobs, like in marketing or finance, I was trying to prepare them to get out uh, at the right time Mm -hmm. and, and all that. And then secondly was the one thing that just stuck with me and I didn't have any idea what I was going to do with it was just how personal the experience was. That it wasn't this kind of, you know, antiseptic P&L balance sheet, it's a business. It was really tied up in my own sense of self, my own identity, my own ego, my own humility, the list goes on. And I didn't know, I had no idea what I want to do with that. I didn't say this is a great story because when you're living through it, it isn't isn't a great story (laughs) in your life. Right, right. And I just, and that was in my head, but I'm like, you know what, I'm going to forget about that. And I'm just going to chill for a little bit. And that's really all I was doing was just doing that. Um, The one thing I was doing um, was that I was just 
helping entrepreneurs for fun, like friends, friends of friends, anybody who wanted to sit down and have a cup of coffee um, and talk about something, even though I was working, you know, working a full-time job at that point was not even like working a job. Like, think about it. I was, you know, like you, I was a M&A lawyer. I went right to running this business, like working full-time as a you know, strategy consultant for the company that bought me was like nothing um, at this point. Right. So I would literally sit down any hour, day and night and anybody that had an idea or a belief or a passion, something you're doing, I would just have coffee with them. I was just having, having fun doing that. So tell us about the lonely entrepreneur, because I think that what you're just describing about where you were after you sold your company really set the stage for the lonely entrepreneur. So how did you decide that, you know, that was really what was next for you and how did you formulate a strategy for going forward? So I didn't at that point. I had, I had no thoughts at all about something new. Um, I was just literally doing exactly what I just, just described. Mm-hmm. And remember, the only things that are compelling to me are these kind of big white space ideas. So I thought, you know, at that point, you know, once you sell your company, you have all this attention and I had offers to go build a practice within a consulting firm around it and offers to go speak you know, for the UK and the UAE and you know, all these countries throughout the world. We're now trying to figure out how to deal with their healthcare costs. And all of a sudden, everybody wanted to do incentives. And so I was like, you know what? I don't even know what I want to do yet. And then literally when I was um, having coffee with one of these entrepreneurs, one of, they said to me, being an entrepreneur is really lonely. And I was mm-hmm. like, holy, I won't say it. I was like, <laughs> wow. I was like, wow, this is like, huh. And, you know, because, and I literally, I was in, I was in Union Square in New York City. I'll never forget it. I walked across the street to a Barnes and Noble and I went in there and I was like, there's nothing like this. Like there's Mm -hmm. books about how to be an entrepreneur and there's lean startup and there's, you know, all this stuff. And I was, there's nothing about this, like this energy and emotion. We live in this cluttered world where social media and everything's noise and whatever. And what rises above that? It rises above the things that are compelling. Right. Um, right. And I was like, wow. And I don't, I have no idea what that meant. And I asked a friend of mine to put me on a panel in front of, you know, a hundred entrepreneurs in New York city, you know, it'd be like me and you know, somebody like you talking about intellectual property and a finance person. Mm-hmm. And as soon as, and I was just like, I wonder if there's something here. And as soon as somebody asked a question about the struggle of being an entrepreneur, it literally mm-hmm. ate the meeting for three hours. It's all anybody wanted to talk about. And I was like, Interesting. wow. I was like, there's all this energy and it's not going anywhere. Um, I used to kid around and say it's like desperate housewives for entrepreneurs, right? <laughs> like, there, was, <laughs> there was all women across America who were frustrated with their husbands or whatever. And then they made a TV show and it became the number one TV show in America. Right? <laughs> and I was like, wow. And that was it. You know, it had that same type of feeling to it. I was like, wow, this is like white space. It's important. It's people's heart and soul and, and more people are doing it and, and they're, they're, they have this incredible opportunity to be fulfilled. But at the same time, all these risks that go with it, I was like, what could be more fulfilling than helping people? I mean, it sounds hokey, but turn their passion into their reality um, and have a better chance of doing it. So I was just I was starstruck at that point again. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and that just became then how do you figure out what it is and what the business is and what you want to do with it? And to this day, I could walk into a Starbucks right now and say, um, is anybody here a lonely entrepreneur? And everybody will raise their hand. <laughs> <laughs> I've done, I believe it or not, I've done it many times. <laughs> you have just for the heck of it? <laughs> just for, 
Well, because I was trying to figure out if I was just, as many entrepreneurs do, drinking my own Kool-Aid, um, right. I would do it. And so I knew, again, we were, we were really onto something. So tell me about writing the book. So I did not have the desire to help, you know, to do like one-on-one -on -one coaching. I mean, we do a lot of it today at the company, but I was more interested in helping right. people at scale. I was more interested in helping lots and lots and lots. Like there's a person right now in a suburb of Chicago trying to figure out their idea and they're never going to be in an incubator or an accelerator. And I really wanted to try a way to make it super, super affordable for somebody to have a better chance of success. So we always knew that we were going to build a platform, that we were going to build what we ended up building, which is this mm -hmm. thing we call the learning community, which I'll tell you about later. But, but at the time, um, it was all about, well, what is the lonely entrepreneur? And it just, it was just obvious that, that the, the journey and the story was, was everything, right? It was why pay attention to me. Right. And, right. and so I was like, I wonder if there's something here and I'll never forget it. I went and I sat down, uh, in a dog park at 25th and Madison in New York city called Madison square park. We have this really cool, like, do you have a dog? I, I, believe it or not, I don't have a dog. So I think I'm one of those guys that violates the rules. You know how like in the parks, you're not, if you're a, <laughs> they won't let a single man, like a man in there by himself without a child. Cause it's like, <laughs> like in, right. they don't have the same restrictions in dog parks. I only sat down there cause it's a beautiful park and there's a place to sit. And, mm -hmm. um, and I literally sat down and I was like, all right, let me, let's see, let's see if there's something. And it literally just came out just, um, page after page after page after page of the journey, the story. There's so many stories that are that every entrepreneur in your audience knows the craziness of that you wouldn't even believe. And it just literally came out and I would go there and I would write and it was like nothing. It was like, it was air. It just needed a place kind of to breathe a little bit. And it came out and it was, uh, uh, getting to like 80% of the book being written was easy. I mean, you always have to do the last 20% and you know, to frame it and all that you know, kind of more technical stuff. But um, the, the substance of it was just a, it was an incredibly cathartic experience to laugh at the journey. Like I used to say at the time during the financial crisis that I would get kicked between the legs about 10 times a day and just stop noticing. Mm -hmm. And now to tell those stories with, you know, a company that we sold and a great reputation and to tell the same stories that we were getting to, you would just laugh. <laughs> like mm -hmm. now they're funny. So writing, writing most of it was a, uh, was incredibly fruitful. So there are a few nuggets, and I mean, we could spend hours talking, um, and I'm sure we will o o over time, but there are a few nuggets um, that I'd like to just pull out from our conversation earlier, as well as from your book. So you've said first that being an entrepreneur is not a job, it's an identity. Do you want to elaborate on that? Sure. And it's probably not something that needs a lot of elaboration for the people that are out there doing it, because, you know, you there. What, what struck me about when I when I reflected on it after selling the company was that there's very few things that that implicate every essence of your life and being like entrepreneurism. I mean, like I would never liken it to you know being a mother, for example, and having a child, but it implicates your personal life, your professional life, your financial life, your emotional life, your social life, your like. Mm -hmm. everything gets tied up into this. And so it's not about a job. Um, you know, we used to, we used to, there'd be times where somebody would ask an entrepreneur, you know, are you off on Columbus day? And they would just chuckle. You're like, what do you mean off on Columbus? Mm -hmm. Like it is definitely an identity. And, 
that doesn't mean that it's for everybody. And that doesn't mean that everybody has to do it. But for those out there that do it, it is very much an identity. Uh, and I'll never forget, you know, uh, one of the things I was really concerned about uh, with the book was the beginning and the end. I wanted people to feel what I felt and I wanted people to know that they weren't in it alone. And so the, the beginning just came out. And when I sat down the right, the right, the ending, it just came out. Uh, towards the end of writing, writing the book, uh, my father was very ill and I was in the hospital with him for a long period of time. And even though I was there uh, on their incredibly emotional time, uh, every, you know, every single day, my dad would have this like oxygen mask on his face that would fall off all the time. And I was like, can't anybody invent a mask? Like, like it was like, I still had like entrepreneurial thoughts, like <laughs> even though my dad was mm-hmm. dying at the time. <laughs> so it was just, oh my God. it was just one of those things where it's very much an identity. And I, I felt that, um, you know, to be able to, for people to go through life and not have the ideas that they have, have an opportunity to come to life. You know, that doesn't mean that every dumb idea that we all have, me included, should come to life. But to look back on life and not bring those things to life, um, to me, would be incredibly disappointing. Uh, and I think it's Mark Twain who said, you know, we won't be disappointed by the things um, we did do, by the, be by the things we didn't do, and mm-hmm. or something like that. And so to me, it was just all about that, is that the, the people that are able to get over this hump it really does become an incredibly fulfilling part of their, of their fulfillment and their, their identity. So you've also said that the difference between success and failure is your perspective, um, which I think is going to apply to pretty much everybody in our audience. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Sure. Um, and for me, it originally came from the financial crisis because I think I told you that the foundations that you normally operated on were gone. And I knew if we went through the normal mechanisms, we wouldn't succeed. So I was like, we're going to make it up. We're going to drive, right? The wrong way on one way streets, right? We're going to mm-hmm. like, don't care. Nobody cares about us. And we're going to go do whatever needs to be done. We're not going to kill anybody or break any laws or <laughs> do any of that, but right. or maybe break a couple of laws if we're going to drive the wrong way on a one way street. <laughs> but, um, and so that to me was very liberating because when I looked honestly at, you know, going through the quote unquote normal channels, it just didn't work. Think about the premise of being an entrepreneur. The premise of being an entrepreneur is that you're going to do something new and unique and you're not going to have capital and you're not going to have resources, right? So let's Mm -hmm. say you started an intellectual property practice. You're going to do it completely differently than the whole system and you have no money and you have no people. Go, (laughs) right? <laughs> and you're going to go up against the legs of the big law firms that you've spent your time, you know, working for and and going against. So, so what that means is you have to go about it a different way, and and what will and that becomes actually a skill. Um, the skill actually comes. I didn't realize it, but it actually comes from my dad. I played all these sports growing up: co- uh, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, and I always played kind of a thinking person's position: quarterback, shortstop, center half, point mm-hmm. guard, basketball. And my dad always used to say to me, when everybody's going left, go right. When everybody's looking left, Mm -hmm. look right. And I didn't connect those dots at all until later. And and that's what entrepreneurs have to do. You know, somebody said, I'm going to um, start a public relations firm. Your friends will say, great, there's a, there's a public relations trade show down at McCormick place next week. You should go. Mm -hmm. 
that is the last place you should go because <laughs> that's where <laughs> all your competition is. Everybody with a big booth is right. So it's this whole idea of looking at things a different way and that being mm -hmm. a premise. There's a great example of this uh, in this recent Super Bowl. There's a, an ad that's put on by Budweiser. Uh, they have this big medieval times theme where essentially they, you know, there's a bunch of horses that come with a barrel up the Budweiser with a barrel of corn syrup. And they say, Hey, we have your mm -hmm. barrel of corn syrup. And Budweiser goes, no, 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 we don't use corn syrup. You got to deliver that to Miller Lite or Coors Light. And yeah. I don't know about you. Did you even know that beer had corn syrup in it? No, I didn't. Did you ever buy or not buy beer because it had corn syrup in it? Right? I <laughs> know. Uh, I can tell you that did not really impact my purchasing decision. <laughs> right? So they picked a criteria, frankly, one that nobody ever cared about before where they would win. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the types of perspectives entrepreneurs need to have, right. They, they need to, to create these different paths and have these different perspectives about how they look at every single part of the business because they don't have money and they don't have capital. And if that mm -hmm. is your mindset, as you go into everything, that is a, a capability that you develop as the leader of an entrepreneurial venture um, that can really serve you well. That's very interesting. Um, and it's actually a good segue to my next question, which is what personal habits and routines do you have that make you an effective businessman, entrepreneur, and person? I can tell you that the one that I didn't have in the beginning was emotional intelligence um, <laughs> because I came oh, from, really? <laughs> no, I mean, I was a college athlete, an M&A lawyer, a guy, you know, none of that screams <laughs> emotionally intelligent. Um, and I really learned that. I really learned that um, your ability to understand what's going on around you and to, uh, you know, press a different button on the blender based on the people in front of you and the circumstances is an incredibly important thing that I developed. And I developed that out of, you know, really, I wasn't, I didn't learn it. I was forced to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think for me, I know during that financial crisis, I was at the gym every morning, usually before 6am. And that was something that always kind of helped me kind of sweat it out literally and figuratively at times, <laughs> just, you know, let go of the, all the things that were going on at the time. Uh, to me, that you know, isn't just about working out um, and taking care of yourself, but really about, about discipline, right? About the discipline right. it takes to really bring an entrepreneurial venture, you know, to life. Um, there's no question that that's one of them. I do a bunch of yoga. In fact, one of the things that I don't know if we're disappointed or proud of, but like, if you look at our Instagram feed, the, the yoga pictures of me being all bendy sometimes get more, <laughs> more views than, than very wise things that we say about entrepreneurship. <laughs> uh, but I just, I just think that things where you can get a release, everybody needs a release. And, and during the time of the financial crisis, um, it was that um, I would go see my niece and nephew. In fact, I didn't want to. My brother said to me one day on a Saturday, he's like, can you watch my niece and nephew for an hour? And I was like, damn, the world's collapsing. I don't have time to watch them. And I just had to because they didn't have other arrangements. And it was literally the best thing I ever did. I went over there for an hour and at the time the four-year-old and the two-year-old could not care less about the financial crisis. They just laugh and they throw up and they, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was great. And I, I asked to do it every weekend. That really helped me uh, get a perspective. Um, the other, the other, I think, skill that you have to develop is um, when you are 
working, you're working. When you decide to go and do something else, have dinner with your spouse, go to the movies, go to a dinner party, you have to teach yourself to be there, right? And be right. present and take it in. If you're going to think about work, go back to work. Don't leave work. Um, but -hmm. if you're going to be there, your brain needs to breathe. You need to experience other things. And so, you know, you develop these types of, these types of behaviors. And then finally, I would say, you know, um, one of the things that's become super important to me, um, is just the, the ability to not just inspire people, you know, kind of in a ethereal sense. Because like I said before, we can all have passion and slam our head into the wall a hundred times. But to combine that right. that passion with thoughtfulness and ideas and actually skills and capabilities, that I think is the magic. Is if you can take that energy, but then also say, here's better ways to apply that energy. That mm-hmm. to me is probably the most, uh, probably the thing that I think is most important. And then ultimately we try to not just obviously do ourselves, but um, also impart onto others. Well, you've just shared a ton of wisdom with us, and I'm not sure if you have anything else beyond what you've shared. Um, but you know, there's a question that I sometimes get asked when I get interviewed, and I thought I would pass this along to you too. Um, if you had the ability to go back in time and tell your younger self three things that you've learned over the years what would those things be? Now, I know you mentioned emotional intelligence and a couple of other things. Is there anything else that if you could tell your younger self that you would go back in time and and do it? I think number one is to kind of go slow so you can go fast. You know, so many times we don't think we do, right? And if you think about our day and age where there's so much clutter, and so much technology and so much money and capital and everybody is using the same uh, social media tools and using the same technology. I mean, everybody has access to all of these things. So what really wins is strategy, right? The ability to kind of think, how are you going to go about it in a different way? And, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're young and you're hard charging and you're going after it, you tend to just kind of run through the wall and then dust yourself off and, you know, figure it out later. Um, and I think it's really, um, you know, it's, it's a kind of a quote from the art of war, right? It's like uh, every great battle was won before it was ever fought. And I love the art of war. I love it. It's my favorite book of all time. <laughs> really? Which maybe it's a little screwed up, but <laughs> all you entrepreneurs out there, you better read the art of war. And if you haven't, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> It's an incredibly entrepreneurial story about an underdog, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. But yeah, I, I really think that, that the ability to think and build a strategy that wins and then go do uh, requires incredible amount of um, discipline to do that. The other is the, the balance between ego and humility. You know, I actually said to somebody, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I actually said to somebody at a health plan when I was trying to to offer them what we did in Incent One and they told me they were never going to do it. And I was like, with all due respect, you guys have controlled one out of every $6 in America for the last 50 years and you keep screwing it up. Like, why would you keep doing the same thing that you're doing, right? Not exactly the best technique for winning friends and influencing people, but you definitely need to have ego to bring a vision to life. Um, And I'm not just talking about the next, Facebook or Uber or whatever. I mean, even the local flower shop, 
right? Or, right. You, or, or working on the side of your job and, and doing, you know, crafts or painting and bringing it to the local flea market. I mean, whatever it is for you, you have to have that ego. Without it, um, you won't survive. But, and it's a big but, the ability to combine that with the humility of embracing the journey, uh, honoring people's passions, and really begetting, becoming you know, a better leader and a better entrepreneur every day, the ability to put those two things together. Remember, you know, I was like you, right? Graduate from Northwestern, go on to do M&A, athlete, you know, just run through the wall, get out of the way. And you certainly understand <laughs> the ego part. Um, I don't think you necessarily understand the humility part. Um, and I think those are incredibly um, important life lessons that I think if somebody had told me that back then, I would have been a much better leader. But, you know, that's what life is for, right? To teach you things. Yeah, listen, I think I, I tend to think that um, it's great to learn as much of the lessons before you slam your head into the wall than after, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot of entrepreneurs, their friends will be like, well, as long as you have passion, you're good. So there's no question. There's certain things you go through that you learn from. Um, but, you know, entrepreneurism is both the most rewarding and the most challenging thing maybe you'll ever do, you know, outside of, you know, health and physical things like that and family. But and you have to be good at it. I mean, these days, anybody with an idea, you know, can have a website and social media followers in five minutes. Um, and there's no shortage of capital and technology. So you have to be better at it. So how can you maybe not run your head into the wall so many times and just do it better and hopefully learn those lessons, you know, uh, ahead of time. But if you don't have the humility to embrace, I can't tell you how many times there's, there's entrepreneurs that are, are hard charging. They run their teams over. They just, they want everybody to get out of the way. And, and I was one of these. I mean, I'm making it sound like I'm evolved. I was only evolved because I got forced to evolve by the financial crisis, right? Mm -hmm. But not understanding the humility of uh, learning and learning from competition and learning from your people and just getting better and just focusing on the, on what you're trying to accomplish is something I wish I would have known a long time ago. You've raised some amazing points and I completely agree with you that, you know, it's sort of an optimization exercise, right? You're trying to figure out the best way to thread a needle. And I, I do agree with you after having been in the legal profession for a while and just sort of knowing what it takes to not just survive, but to build a practice and, and what, what goes with that and comes with that you have to have an ego because otherwise you get eaten alive, right? But at the same time, you have to put yourself in the shoes of your clients, of the people who are on your team. You have to really have a tremendous ability to empathize and, and see where other people are coming from. Because if you don't, there are so many things that can go wrong. And if you do it right, um, you're really able to, I, I think, you know, succeed and you're able to get people um, on board and you're able to uh, collaborate more effectively and make better decisions by being able to put yourself in other people's shoes. Yeah. And I think also our, our conversation before about perspective, you know, if you think about, think about how many um, lawyers or their partners or associates and, and they're being charged with generating revenue. And you know, a lot of times there's like, well, this is how you do it. And, but why wouldn't you think about doing it a completely different way than other people are doing it? I mean, we, we just rolled out a program at Lonely Entrepreneur called Think Like an Entrepreneur around business development. And it's designed specifically for law firms and accounting firms and professional services firms where the people are doing the work are also being now asked to generate business. And 
to, to like you said, I mean, if you just go about it the same way everybody else goes about it, <laughs> why does somebody engage you versus engaging somebody else? And there's always somebody bigger, faster, stronger, cheaper. Um, so all of those perspectives, I mean, even though we're talking about it in the context of an entrepreneurial journey, are things that in this day and age where everything's so hyper-competitive and, and fungible, if you will, you know, the ability to apply those lessons. You know, I wish I had just started that when I was 25. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what's next for you? You know, you're doing some pretty amazing work. You're really um, impacting people in a very profound and positive way. What do you envision for yourself and what do you want for yourself over the coming months and years? So for me, there's, like I said before, there's nothing more rewarding than helping people turn their passion into success. I mean, that's it. And um, if you think about why men watch the Chicago Bears and women watch the ballet and, you know, you just whatever, you know, and, and we have children, we see, you know, we get compelled, right? And can you help what the things that people are compelled by become part of their life? And to me, that's what the lonely entrepreneur can resent, represent. Um, and so we do that today in a very functional way. But I think our real vision for that is we would love to be able to inspire people all over the world to understand that they're not in it alone, but they do have to develop skills to get better at it. And so if I could wave a magic wand, there would be you know, an Amazon or a Netflix series out there called The Lonely Entrepreneur New York the Lonely Entrepreneur Dubai, the Lonely <laughs> Entrepreneur Shanghai, where we could actually inspire, you know, we always talk about like inspire their hearts and teach their minds, right? And that we could actually take, you know, a, a, a college student in Shanghai, you know, or somebody in Denver who has an idea or somebody in a large law firm that's thinking about leaving and doing their own thing, whatever it is, and actually not only inspire them, because usually inspiration isn't the problem. Um, but if they could sit there and watch a Netflix series and say, wow, that person did that and they did it because they actually developed this skill to do this and this and this, that to me would be the ultimate reward is to be able to people to see that throughout the world that at scale that could actually help them go back to their desk next, next day and have a better chance. So you're very inspiring and I'm going to buy the book. I hope that you'll autograph it for me. <laughs> of course. Do you uh, have any final thoughts for our listeners and where can they find you? No, I would just say, listen, I, I would say you never want to look back on ideas that didn't come to life and the ability to uh, bring those to life with the right, you know, passion and, and skills to me is uh, there's probably nothing more rewarding. And we don't want people like leaving law firms tomorrow to do crazy things, but <laughs> um, <laughs> certainly, certainly you know, when you look back, you never want to say, I wish I did. And as far as us, uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Um, you can find us at lonelyentrepreneur.com. Uh, like I said, the book is available. You can see it on the site or, or go to Amazon. It's you know, the same name, The Lonely Entrepreneur. And all of our social media channels, uh, which is obviously Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, all The Lonely Entrepreneur. And the only last thing is, one of the ways that we're really trying to help people is with this thing we call the Lonely Entrepreneur Learning Community. And it is an online learning and community platform that entrepreneurs for $500 a year have access to all of this learning as well as an online community where you have to ask their questions and weekly coaching and all that. And so that was, as we talked about before, our way of trying to build something that was super affordable, but that everybody 
could have access to to say, okay, I've got an idea, or I'm working through my company. Um, how do I how do I actually do it if I can't afford a coach and I can't be in an incubator? And you can obviously find that at, at LonelyEntrepreneur.com as well. Michael, it was such a privilege and so much fun to have you on the show. I would love to have you on again soon, and I hope you're game for that. I would love to do it. As I as I think we kidded before, it just lets me justify my law school education a little bit. So thank you so much, <laughs> so, so much for having me. Well, thank you. And we'll chat soon again, I'm sure. Take care. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you have enjoyed the second segment of our conversation with Michael Dermer and that you will join us for next week's episode. I am your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.